Inside Motorsport, we look back at the Melbourne Formula One Grand Prix, the start of the 2015 season. I hope you'll stay with us. joins me on the line now and Lachlan an interesting start to the year perhaps after we saw winter testing it was a foregone conclusion but Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg certainly are the class of the field in the cars that look to be almost certainly going to take a manufacturer's championship if anything Craig it looks like a standing margin over the field in 2015 than they did in 2014 because uh, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton were just in a different class to the rest of the field. Last year we saw they had some reliability issues at the Australian Grand Prix but they didn't have any such problems this year and their margin in lap times back to the rest of the field was even larger than what it was last year. So it's not too much of a stretch to imagine Mercedes winning every single Grand Prix this season based on what we saw at the Australian Grand Prix. And with four power units, all that uh, you're allowed to use, well, I guess there'll be compensations and grid penalties if you use more, but with only four power units and a number of teams already having lost their first power unit, does bode poorly for all the other manufacturers because we basically saw faults in every other manufacturer's engine. And um, certainly our own Daniel Ricciardo is one driver who's going to be particularly affected by that because he lost one of his four Renault power units in the very first practice session of the weekend. The only saving grace is that I believe Renault have got more engine development tokens left to use up throughout the year than either Ferrari or Mercedes, so they're probably going to be able to bring in a, um, a more significant mid-season engine upgrade than either of the other two engine manufacturers. So let's hope for their sake that that will propel them a bit closer to the front runners. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we've gone from, you know, less than 10 years ago where you'd use four engines before the first race of the year now four engines for the year. And Christian Horner has certainly uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons saying Red Bull will pull out of Formula One if there's not a sensible way of approaching the engine situation. And of course, every other team has gone out of their way to criticise Christian Horner and Red Bull for that threat. Yeah, it's a bit of a dummy spit to be honest, I think, that one. Um, to be honest, I can't see Red Bull actually pulling out of Formula One with all the money that they've invested in it over the years in two separate teams, the, the main team and then the secondary Toro Rosso team, but uh, yeah, they're certainly not impressed with how things are looking at the moment. In the end, the, the bottom line is that Sadies have done the best job with the technical regulations as they stand at the moment and it's up to the other team to uh, to develop their cars to be able to challenge Mercedes. I guess one of the things that we have seen is they're always pushing the envelope in F1 and push the envelope. You do have a bigger risk of mechanical breakdown because of it. So does it mean that then all of a sudden engine manufacturers and power unit manufacturers are going to have to take a far more conservative approach to what they build and therefore we have slower Formula One racing. Quite possibly, and I think we saw a bit of an example of that on the weekend from Honda 
to, of course, this year uh, supplying the engines and the McLaren team. And they ran a very conservative strategy on the weekend where they had their engines turned right down just to make sure that they got Jensen Button's car to the finish of the Grand Prix so that they could accumulate some good data and, and hopefully use that to improve their performance throughout the rest of the season. Of course, that burnt them at the other end because although they had although they had uh, Jensen Button finish out of the points, as it were, in 11th position, the other car didn't make it to the grid. And that was, of course, Nick Heinfeld, uh, not Nick Heinfeld, filling Kevin in. Magnuson. Kevin Magnussen filling in for uh, Fernando Alonso, who is still no guarantee that he'll be on the grid in Malaysia in a week and a half's time. Yeah, there were a few cars actually that didn't make it that. In fact, a couple of cars, the two Man of Formula One cars, didn't even make it onto the track at any stage during the weekend because they just didn't finish putting the car together in a, in a satisfactory way that it could actually get out there and compete. We saw Daniel Ricciardo's teammate Danny Kvyat breaking down on the formation lap. He didn't start. Kevin Magnussen didn't start. Valtteri Bottas in the Williams didn't start because he injured his back in qualifying. But then there was one team that actually did make it onto the grid above all expectations and that was the Sauber team who were embroiled in legal controversy in the lead up to the race with Guido Vandergaard taking the team to court and uh, declaring that he had a valid contract to drive for the team that was only resolved on the Saturday morning before the race and even despite all that pre-race drama Sauber still managed to get both their cars home in the points with um, the rookie driver Felipe Nasser coming home in a an outstanding fifth position, which was a great effort for, for a rookie driver on debut, and especially considering that Sauber didn't even score any points last season. Marcus Ericsson finishing at eighth. And what was very interesting is this this isn't settled uh, in as much as uh, Vandergaard has won about three court cases now. So you would think that there's no doubt that his contract and the paperwork he has, it's really going to be coming down to a financial settlement or somehow another car being made available for him to drive. Yeah, I think there's probably two ways that it will go from here. Either Vandergaard will replace Marcus Ericsson for the rest of the season or I think the more likely scenario is that there will be a financial settlement of some description and uh, Vandergaard won't actually race at all. Um, I think, as you can imagine, if he was to try and continue to force his way into that seat within the team, it would be a pretty hostile environment in which for him to try and compete. I think in the interests of both parties, probably the financial settlement is the more attractive option. Mm. Uh, one interesting uh, point of view that was raised uh, was the fact that Vandergaard, who paid his money, and had his contract signed in the middle of last year when Sauber needed that money to fund their program to complete the year. Potentially, were it not for Vandergaard bringing that financial support at that point, Sauber could have gone the way of Mauritius' team, which is what is now Manor Motorsport, or Manor Mauritius as it's being called, because if they don't have the Mauritius in the name, they don't have the opportunity of collecting some of rights that uh, would be outstanding for that team. So, uh, you know, hopefully they will be racing the Manor team coming into, uh, not Malaysia, but be the first of the European Formula 1 Grand Prix. We do hope so. And in fact, the Manor team arrived in Australia with what was essentially their car from last year with the absolute bare minimum 
upgrades to comply with this year's technical regulations. So they're on a very tight budget, extremely tight in fact, and it's unlikely even if the cars had made it onto the track that they would have qualified within the 107% cut-off. I do believe there is a newer car coming for them, probably at the start of the European season, but just how competitive that's going to be remains to be seen. Well, it was Lewis Hamilton who took out the weekend, and we heard from him speaking to Arnold Schwarzenegger, audio courtesy of Channel 10. Well, it's obviously a real pleasure to be here. We have the greatest fans here today. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, you know, my team did my team did an amazing job today, and, and, and it's an incredible feeling, obviously, to, to continue on from last year, but also to be up here with you, man. I thought you were taller. We go off to Malaysia now, Lachlan. Where do you see? Formula One heading. Quieter sound doesn't seem to have the complaints that we saw last year, but do we need to have some more competitive racing to stop the new round of complaints that has occurred? Yeah, I think we absolutely have to have more competitive racing. If the Mercedes keep dominating every Grand Prix the way they did in Australia, then a lot of fans are going to lose interest. It's not right in a sporting sense to penalise the team from doing the best job, but in terms of the entertainment and producing the commercial value the sport needs vibe, then we do need it to be competitive at the front of the field. So it wouldn't be good for Formula One for Mercedes to keep dominating. The Malaysian Grand Prix has a history of producing wet weather and that might be the equaliser. That might be the factor that brings some of the other teams into the equation. Well, we look forward to speaking to you after that event as well, Lachlan. Thanks very much for your time today here on Inside Motorsport. Cheers, Craig. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.